0: Good morning, church. It is good to be with you here live and in person. Those who are joining us live stream, or those who may be joining us later in the week, watching the sermon online or listening to the podcast, to all of you, I say, welcome home. I'm Scott Blount, the Associate Minister here at VCC, and we are smack dab in the middle of a three-week series called The Art of Neighboring. You know, back in the 1990s, telephones were attached by a cord that came out of your wall. I know that's kind of weird to think about now, but it it literally was the way it was. And in the 90s, there came very popular into use with all of us in in the home setting uh, this thing that was called the answering machine. Now, the answering machine is the predecessor for the voicemail that our current generation ignores these days on their phones, all right? But in the 90s, when they first came out, it was all the rage. Everybody wanted to have a, a, a voice mail machine, an answering machine. Now, I was in student ministry at the time, so I couldn't get by with just a boring, outgoing message. So we would create different funny and goofy messages and then just on a random basis change them. There was no set schedule because you never knew what was going to happen when you called our house. And we literally had people who called our house hoping to get the answering machine to find out what the latest outgoing message was. Now, I don't remember most of those messages, but there is one that sticks out in my mind. Maybe it's because we had our sweet little uh, daughter Emily record that in her elementary school Eastern Kentucky twang. Or maybe it's because it just really was the truth. Here's what the outgoing message said. Busy, busy, busy. We are always so busy. Next time we're not busy, we'll call you back. I know, right? They say that the best humor is that which has at least a tinge of truth to it. And that was seriously the truth for our lives back then. And it's probably the truth for most of us in our lives today. But back then, with two boys who were into anything that ended with the word ball and a daughter who was into dance, ballet, and all that kind of deal, it got crazy around the Blount House. Usually, I was coaching or managing uh, one of the teams that one of our boys was on, and there's just enough age difference in the two boys that they wound up in different leagues playing on opposite ends of town. At the same time, and so poor Peggy had to rush back and forth with, you know, whichever boys team I wasn't coaching and Emily and getting her to ballet and to dance, you know, and all that. So, I mean, we were just running around like crazy. I know some of you guys can relate to that. We're, I had conversations out, out in between services this morning. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, that's where we're living. So we sat our kids down one day and said, listen, we've got to help you understand that you have to take control of your time or it will take control of you. And so we are going to require one season a year to be off. We're not playing sports. We're not dancing. One season a year. And it has to be the same season for everybody, okay? You don't get to pick in different. No, 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 no. So we live in Kentucky, so the boys are going to play basketball. Duh. And then they also decided they would play baseball. So that meant we had the fall season as our off season to catch our breath. We also wanted our kids to understand from a very early age that we have to very often choose between that which is good and that which is best. And for us, for our family, our priority as to that which was best included church activities. So it was not uncommon at all for the boys and I to be on the ball field up until 6.50 p.m. on Wednesday because we had youth group at 7 o'clock and it's a five-minute drive from the ball field to the church. And because I was on staff at the church, they kind of expected me to be there for youth group. So it was not at all uncommon, 6.50 p.m. If we're in the middle of a game, timeout, pull my son off the field, put a replacement in, See you later, and we're out of there. If we're practicing, hey, all right, let's go. 6.50, we're gone. And we would go to youth group in our ball uniforms or, you know, whatever. Because we wanted our kids to understand that often you have to choose between that which is good and that which is best. But we are all so busy, aren't we? We overschedule ourselves. We're all too busy, and it's our own fault because we schedule it that way. Do You ever notice that if it's not on the calendar, it probably isn't going to happen? After Peggy and I had lived here for a few years in Vero Beach and had gotten over the, oh, we live in a beach town, we can go every day kind of phase, people told us we'd get over that, and we're like, no, 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 no. Yeah, we did. We got to the point where we scheduled Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Round Island Beach. That was on our calendars. And every Saturday morning, we would go, take our chairs, set them up. Round Island is the furthest beach south in Indian River County. It's a public beach. It's a county-operated beach with lifeguards. And we'd set our chairs up, take a little nap, read a book, get up, take a walk, come back, you know, do our thing, stay about 90 minutes. It was so relaxing. And there were times when we literally were the only people on the beach, except for the lifeguard. I mean, it was like having our own private guarded beach. It was awesome. And we needed that time just to go, "Ah." Now, because of some medical situations that we've gone through over the last several years, we haven't been to Round Island Beach in a while. Walking on the sand has not been a thing that could happen. However... Last year, we bought brand new beach chairs. There they are, right there on the screen. All right? Because the medical situations are about to work themselves out, and we will soon be putting back on our calendar Saturday morning, 9 a.m., Round Island Beach. You can come and join us if you want, although then we won't be the only ones on the beach. We're all too busy. How do we get that way? What, What in the world is going on that we just got out of control with our time and we're just running around like chickens with our heads cut off all the time. Because, you know, it wasn't always that way. In fact, historians point to the year 1370 as the turning point in the West's relationship with time. That was the year that the first public clock tower was put up in the square in Cologne, Germany. Here it is. Until then, you couldn't go down the street and see a clock anywhere. People's relationship with time was a much more natural kind of relationship. It was based on the rotation of the earth on its axis and the seasons of the year. I mean, days in the summer were long and busy, and days in the winter were shorter and slower. And we were a much more rested people. We went to bed when the sun went down, we got up when the sun came up, This was great. Let's fast forward four centuries, five centuries, I'll get my math here in a minute, to 1879, Thomas Edison, you know what he invented, right? The light bulb. The light bulb enabled us to stay up after the sun went down and have light. And not just a little candle flickering, but we could light up everything like it was daylight. Do you know before 1879, the average number of hours a a person got for sleep at night was 11. 11, yeah. Some of us are going, I don't get 11 hours of sleep a week. The median number of hours an American sleeps today is about 7. 7. Is it any wonder that we're so exhausted all the time? I mean, who has time to stop and smell those proverbial roses anyway? And we even have time-saving devices. We've got more time-saving devices in this generation than in any generation in the history of the planet. And yet, we still find ourselves rushing around. We just don't have time to get everything done. Can you imagine 20 years ago if somebody had come to you and said, you know, in the future, you're going to be able to be riding in a car and make a phone call. Now, notice I said riding in a car, not driving. You, you'd be riding in a car, make a phone call. Or you could be riding in a car, make a phone call, and send an email at the same time. Or you could be riding in a car and have a video chat with family or friends on your phone. 20 years ago, we would not have been able to conceive that. 20 years ago, if somebody said, hey, we're going to invent this machine, it's going to allow you to record your favorite TV shows, you can fast-forward through the commercials, and you don't even have to have one of those bulky VHS tapes that you're sticking in there, and it's always getting jammed in the machine, and then you don't have it anyway. No, 20 years ago, we didn't think about that. 20 years ago, we didn't think about the fact that you can sit down in front of your computer and have a meeting literally with people all over the world while you're sitting in your home or in your office. You don't have to travel anymore for meetings. 20 years ago, no. Nah, there's absolutely no way that we would have thought about that. And yet, they're there. But we're still busy, busy, busy. New tools, same choices, same kind of choices that people have been making from the beginning of time and certainly uh, choices that were having to be made in Jesus' day. Maybe you've heard the story of the sisters Martha and Mary. I'm going to check out their story with you this morning. It's in Luke chapter 10, and we're going to begin in verse 38 because Martha was someone who got busy with some good things, but she lost proper focus. Check it out, starting in verse 38. Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem. They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, Mary's just trying to be a gracious host, right? I mean, the Lord was in her house. And I don't know if you've ever caught this as you've read through the gospel accounts before, but Jesus didn't travel alone. There was a party at her house. There was a meal to be planned, a table to be set, preparations to be made, and Martha's looking all around trying to get all this stuff done, and Mary is nowhere to be found. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha is hurried and harried and hapless and she is not happy and Jesus says that's not the way I want you to live he says that to us today that's not how I want you to live in fact look at Jesus response again to Martha he says you are worried and upset over all these details there's only one thing worth being concerned about Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. Now, Jesus wasn't saying that it's not a good thing to be a good host. He's not saying it's a bad thing to be industrious. He's just saying Mary has discovered the best thing and has chosen that even over the good. And for that, Jesus commended her. Jesus is the healthiest person who ever lived, and yet as you look through his life, There is a word that will not come to your mind when you think about Jesus and how he did life. Hurried. He was not hurried. He was busy, but he was not hurried. And and Jesus came to offer us a different way of living. In John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, brothers and sisters, an abundant life, is not a hurried life an abundant life is one which obeys the clear commands of jesus and as we talked about last week loving your neighbor is a pretty clear command that jesus has given us theologian and philosopher dallas willard famously told john ortberg who had come to dallas and said man i want to be closer in my walk with god what what do I need to do? How do, I, how do I get closer to God? And Dallas Willard told John, anybody else who had asked him this question, the same thing. You must ruthlessly eliminate hurry in your life. And John Ortberg says, I furiously was writing it down. I said, okay, okay, what's next? And Dallas Willard said, you must ruthlessly eliminate hurry in your life. All right, but how? But how? How do we do that? For example, I know that in this room right now, there are, are very likely some Florida Gator football fans, or maybe there's some Florida State Seminole football fans, or maybe even some Miami Hurricane football fans. As a Kentucky Wildcat fan, for the life of me, I cannot understand your life choices, but, you know, we'll, we'll go with this, all right? Whatever your team is, you will make time to make sure that you get to see them play their football game. Now, maybe it'll be on TV, but for the really hardcore fanatics, you're going to go and see it in person. You will arrange your schedule. You will make your calendar fit so that you can do that. Now, I'm not saying that following your favorite college football team is a bad thing, because it's not. I'm just saying you all make time to do the things you want to do. So are you happy with where your choices are taking you? Because you are all choosing between the good and the best on a regular basis. They're leading you somewhere, those choices. You can make time to love your neighbors. The question is, will you? Take control of your time. Don't let time control you. You're a far more loving person when you do so. You must bring balance back to your schedule. Now, if our lives are out of balance and we don't have the time to get to know the people who live right next door to us, then the solution is clear. We've got to eliminate some non-essentials in our lives. Eliminate some non-essentials. I got three points that will help us kind of come to a little more healthy balance in, in how we're living our lives. The first one is make the main thing the main thing. Secondly, eliminate time stealers, and thirdly, be interruptible. Now making the main thing the main thing, I mean that's that's one of those duh for us, okay? As followers of Christ, making the main thing the main thing is that, that would include our daily time of devotional reading and prayer with God. That has to be a priority. Period. I would also say that being together in a corporate session of worship on the Lord's Day should be a priority in our lives. That's just what should happen. We say here at VCC, love God, love people, serve others. The love God part, that's that's spending that time with God, one-on-one and in a corporate setting. Secondly, eliminate the time stealers. Now, this one is just really too easy to pick on, all right? So I'm just going to step on all of our toes. I'm going to quit preaching and go to meddling right now. Uh, you have been warned. The number one time stealer for us in the United States of America right now are screens. It might be the television. might be a movie theater. It might be our phones, our tablets, video games, whatever it is, man. They, they will suck the time right away. They'll suck it right out of our lives. Just over this past week, I personally personally decided that I'm that I took the Facebook app off of my phone cuz I was spending way too much time on there so it's gone from my and it's not that I'm not ever on Facebook I just have to be more intentional about when that's going to happen now it's not at all uncommon to hear people say yeah man I sat down to watch a couple of episodes of fill in the blank with your favorite show on Netflix and uh, the next thing I know, I looked around 12 hours later, and there was nobody else around. I don't know. Okay? We all have time stealers in our lives, whatever it might be. Eliminate it or at least drastically reduce it. And then thirdly, this notion of being interruptible, that means that you are, are putting into your schedule the opportunity to be inconvenienced. And it's okay. And it's okay. When we create margins in our calendar that allow us and accept the interruptions of others, we'll find that we're living at a a much nicer pace in life. Take control of your time. Don't allow time to control you. It's vital to step back and ask ourselves, are we living at a pace that allows us to be available to our neighbors? Or are we just letting busy, busy, busy run our lives? Writer, podcaster, and founder of Design Matters, Debbie Millman, has this to say about busy. I wanna read this for you. Busy is a decision. Here's why. Of the many excuses people use to rationalize why they can't do something, the excuse, I am too busy, is not only the most inauthentic, it's also the laziest. I don't believe in too busy. Like I said, busy is a decision. We do the things we want to do, period. If we say we are too busy, it is shorthand for not important enough. It means you would rather be doing something else that you consider more important. If we use busy as an excuse for not doing something, what we are really, really saying is that it's not a priority. Simply put, you don't find the time to do something. You make the time to do things. Make the time to do the things you want to do and then do them. In his book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Comer puts it this way. Jesus Set love as the highest value in the kingdom's economy. When asked what the greatest commandment in all of scripture was, he responded, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. But he refused to stop at that one command. He added another, Love your neighbor as yourself. But love is painfully time-consuming. All parents know this, as do all lovers. And most long-term friends. There's no shortcuts. No killer app. We make time for that which is important to us. Will we make time for that which is important to Jesus? If so, we have learned how to focus properly. How to say no to some good things so that we can work on the best we make time for that which is important to us will we make time for that which is important to Jesus mm. you know we're only gonna be good at a couple of things in life so you think maybe it's a good idea to make sure the thing that is most important to Jesus is one of those Last year we got some Valentine's Mylar balloons at the Dollar Tree and we punched out little hearts just like this and on the little hearts it simply said we love being your neighbors Scott and Peggy Blount and I got up early on Valentine's morning and went around to our immediate neighbors and attached these balloons either to their front door knob or my neighbor across the street, I put it on his uh, truck door handle so they would be able to see them. We just simply said, we love being your neighbors. This year, we're gonna step up our game just a little bit. They're gonna get balloons again. Hope none of them are watching, it'll ruin the surprise, right? But they're gonna get balloons again and with a little heart that says we love being your neighbors and on the back we're going to invite them to come to our house in a couple of weeks for a cookout. We're just going to grill burgers and dogs and just hang out. I have no idea if any of them will accept the invitation but we're going to offer the invitation. After the last service Elaine Deal came up to me gave me this little baggie. This little baggie has a personalized note. She wrote one of these for all of her neighbors little personalized note. It's got a little business card of hers in there. It's got a little Valentine's kind of thing in it. It has a couple of Hershey's Kisses and a thing of chapstick. And I think that's awesome. And she's given that to all of her neighbors. So, you know, there are people who are, are doing this. There are people who are doing this. They're stepping their game up way above anything that I've thought of yet. But these are people who have decided that hurry... And love are incompatible. Hurry and love are incompatible. So, what if we took control of time instead of allowing it to control us? What if we purposely scheduled some neighborhood time? What if we purposely scheduled some downtime just to be available and then just walked outside? The other day, as we came home, I was getting the garbage can up, I'm checking the mail, I'm looking my neighbor across the street, Jason, is sitting out in his in his front porch. And so I just walked over. Hey, how's it going, Jason? What's up? Came back in the house a little while later, and Peggy said, so what'd you and Jason talk about? We talked about the weather. We talked about his dog. We just hung out. It was nothing seriously deep. We just hung out together. What if we did something like that? Now, last week, I had a A challenge for everybody, the neighborhood block mat, the fridge magnet, all right? If you weren't here last week, we do still have some of these. They're available out on the Welcome Center desk. But we challenged everybody to fill those in. you're, You're in the center right here. And then fill in all your neighbors who live immediately close to you. Like I say, there are some people who have gone above and beyond that. I had somebody this morning say, yeah, man, I know all 51 people who live in our our area. (laughs) You are way ahead of me. I still have a blank space, okay, that I'm still trying to get filled in. Some of us jump right on it. Some of us let fear hold us back. I have good news for you. That's what we're going to tackle next week, the fear factor. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, I thank you for the privilege of being here in this place. I thank you for the opportunity that we have every day to choose between that which is good and that which is best. May we choose that which is best. May we choose to live our lives in a manner that puts a smile on your face, God, as we love you with everything we've got, And we love our neighbors as ourselves. May we make the time to love on our neighbors. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.